Hello and welcome to the tailgate party of your dreams, <laughs> where the numbers are always sound and the drinks are always flowing. I'm Ibabe and you are listening to Popcorn for Dinner. Today, I'm joined by long lost co-host Jibs, who is back from the ether. Back from the... Back ether, again. The rig. Back from, <laughs> yeah. So. He has been through the ringer. More so than our characters. They have nothing on him. Trust me. I feel like that Undertaker meme where I just rise up again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he is here to share his thoughts on Succession's seventh episode of his fourth and final season titled Tailgate Party. So, Jibs, how are you feeling? What was this episode like for you? Holy fuck, man. One episode. This is probably my favorite episode of the season. Really? There okay. Was, yeah. Beats out episode three? Happened just beat that episode three i think okay. i think i i kind of i watched this three times man it was wow. i just really enjoyed okay. it okay <laughs> it was i mean we'll get to the uh bits and bobs of the episode but damn one episode man truly and, i mean it was a terrible day it was a shitty day um but i just watched this episode and just everything just went to me. i was kind of like yes yes this is this is prestige tv right this is exactly what we yeah. signed up for <laughs> this is what we, we <laughs> this is exactly what we need man hv is looking out for us exactly what would you say was the main theme of this episode in your mind um did it have to do with you know protecting the company did it have to do with delay and obfuscation did it have to do with um kind of making connections keeping connections did it have to do with the election I think it was a lot of things, but I feel like one thing that kept moving as a through line through this episode was just, I guess, concealment. Everybody was trying to hide something. That's, that's kind of what I was going to say as well. Like, I, I mean, po- listeners of the Popcorn for Dinner podcast always hear me say the best parts or the best thing about TV, movies. I mean, the car chases are good. Action scenes are great. Shootouts are great. Dragons are, you know, not too bad. Who like dragons in their in their TV? But mm-hmm. the best thing about TV, the fundamentals of TV is two people in a room talk. Somebody leaves that conversation and talks to somebody else, and it's like, oh, okay, conflict arises, mm-hmm. and now you have, you know, something to work, something to look forward to in the next minute, the next episodes, next season, on how is that conflict going to be resolved. And I feel like we just got that in this episode where I just put everyone, put everyone in the same, in, in the same apartment. I just let everyone cook, man. Let everyone, let's just have multiple conversations about, you know, let's, let's see how these dynamics are changing. Exactly. And, you know, what is the result of this conversation? Where is this going to lead to? Powder keg. And I'm just like, this is, this, this is for me. This is just for me, honestly. Yeah. That's honestly how you know these things tend to feel so real because... Mm-hmm. You know, in, in very realistic situations, like most of the coolest or most pivotal things in life tend to happen when, you know, real people just get left in the space. And I like it mm-hmm. when a show is well developed enough that the writers can just say, all right, we put these characters together. We know who mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. enough that they know who they are. Let's just mm-hmm. leave yeah. them in the space and see what happens. <laughs> and realistically, the way they bounce back and forth each other is, is just amazing. That's an interesting point because it's sort of, an idea of these characters so you have an expectation of how they should act but you're still sort of waiting for how they're going to surprise you or yeah are they going to act against or even further past your expectations and that's kind of why i watch these tv shows isn't it and i feel this 
Um, mm-hmm. especially this episode, it just does a great job on. I mean, I always say things should end at the right time, but can you squeeze in a cheeky two seasons more, please? I want to spend the rest of my twenties and thirties with these lot, man. This is just great shit, honestly. Yeah, man. I, I just, <laughs> it's, it's great. What did you think about the episode? I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I thought it was just amazing to see how these people mess each other up inadvertently <laughs> or, or intentionally, you know, um, um, the episode itself was very well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, the direction, you know, whenever you have something like this with so many different clashing personalities, you know, you have to have like really good direction and the mm-hmm. dialogue has to be on point because we spend the entire place or this, the entire time almost in one place. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these characters all have agendas. Some people mm-hmm. like Shiv, for example, get to a point where they start to wonder, hmm, is my agenda even helpful to me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you've, all this time I've been asking, Shiv, what are you doing? Like, why are you even doing what you're doing? Do you actually even know anymore? And now she starts to ask herself that question. And that is very funny to me. I think this was the first time, I really don't know why I didn't think about this early on, but I was sort of, I was asking myself, why is Shiv helping out Matson? Why is she going to this um, degrees to you know, ring mats immediately after, you know, the boys tell her that they want she to. She didn't even waste to. any time. No like, have time. some, have, have some, some chill. Like, Gosh, <laughs> this is so desperate, man. And what is the game plan? What are you planning to do? And I feel this is the first episode where I realized that I finally clocked that. I don't think. She knows what she's doing. No, I don't think any of the kids know what. I think probably Kendall a little bit, but the rest of them are just completely don't really know what they're doing man <laughs> they're kind of playing a different a different game yeah um i think with with shiv especially it's like like the, the reason she would want to do any of this at all is just well i think there are two main reasons it's mm-hmm. i want to be on top my brothers don't want me to be on top so i'm gonna seize that somehow and quote unquote win the game mm-hmm. again i've said I, i've said this before these people could be doing literally anything but they're still choosing to fight for uh, for daddy scraps i guess <laughs> and um the other reason is her own agenda of what she can control and what she likes okay she is not an atn fan right and she no. knows that if madison comes in they're probably going to change or dismantle or i don't know whatever the case may be with atn mm-hmm. um on some level, it was like, okay, we get rid of ATN. You know, what, if we sell and Madison wants ATN, then like, good, we don't have to hold on to it anymore. Yeah, so yeah. in a world where ATN isn't one of their assets, she is probably, she feels anyway, best suited to lead the company in, mm-hmm. um, rega- like, um, lead, to lead the company instead of her brothers. Yeah. Especially Roman, who probably would be, I think, the better one at actually like, running atn because yeah he he just wants to keep things going as they are kendall thinks he's a game changer like he wants to he wants to make things work he wants to um make an impact on the world whatever the case may be um he's slightly delusional but i guess you know when you're at that level it requires a little bit of delusion yeah i'm 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 quite confident i'm not really sure about shiv i'm not really sure why she wants i guess yeah i agree with that i agree with you on that but but there's still like the whole and Tom dynamic. I mean, we'll talk about that scene at the end of the mm-hmm. episode, which is just amazing. It's kind of just vocalizing all of their thoughts and insecurities and everything. And that was just an amazing scene. So I think 
this this episode sort of gave me both things. So it gave me, you know, um, you know, characters moving from one conversation to the next conversation and trying to get what they can from each and forming their, you know, their next opinions and their next views based on the past conversation and bringing it to the next one. Plus, it gave me just, you know, the scene between Shiv and Tom where, I mean, it was just part, I mean, it, it's what, four, it's three seasons, three and a half seasons of baggage just all let out just like that and kind of like wow are they actually saying all of this is this actually happening because yeah. when you've sort of watched them it was they never really said all those things but you could see them thinking it right all the time mm -hmm. and for them to actually you know literally scream it out loud to each other i was kind of like wow okay i, I was actually even worrying that people were hearing them on the other side of the glass i can't look <laughs> I left thought i thought that the show would tell us like oh are people actually hearing them like but now they, they didn't pull that just have to look at my TV screen right now because, you know, I just have to focus. There's nothing else to look at right now. And I mean, what a scene, what a scene to end the, the, the yeah, episode. Um, it's the, the, this, this episode, um, was actually directed by, um, Shari Springer Berman and, um, Robert Polcini, who are a sort of filmmaking team that have made a bunch of interesting things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they've, they've done work on, a wide range of stuff and even on tv they've worked on we crashed a show about we work which i mentioned <laughs> last week um that i watched on apple tv plus uh for succession they are the ones who directed the safe room episode <laughs> and the lion in the meadow episode where logan and kendall go to josh aronson's island at the same time to convince him to stay invested despite all the tumult that's going on in the company mm -hmm. And his financials due to what they are doing and their own personal feud. And, you know, these guys clearly seem to be very good at getting people with clashing ideologies together in one place and trying to make them operate for like one or two shared goals and just hoping things don't implode. I mean, there's just so many different personalities here, like people you might not even expect to see, but mm -hmm. you know, it makes sense to see them here yeah. um, for one reason or another, like Nate, for example, you know, what does Nate do in this situation? Um, mm -hmm. Look at all the people that are, that they're laughing with. How does Tom react to people, you know, kissing up in his house? Mm -hmm. Right. What about the, um, <laughs> you know, the, the Swedes? How's, how's all that going? <laughs> And yeah, don't oh, worry, man. we'll get to the Swedes, but... <laughs> I was going to ask about, because, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been involved in directing short movie before, haven't you, with... I have, yes, with Shadi. What's that like? Because I'm, so, I'm always sort of, you know, directed by this and this, and I'm sort of like, how does that work? How do you make that team work? It's about a shared vision. Um, mm. Direction really is just, what do we want and how do we get there, right? Once we've figured out what we want, like if, if it's something like this with the work of fiction, what mm -hmm. we want is typically decided in the writer's room, right? Okay. Then the directors sort of think, okay, what else do we want? And how do we bring all of this to life? Like how do we practically translate this from page to screen? What are the decisions we have to make? What are the things that have to realistically happen? What, what mm -hmm. do we need to remove? You know, mm -hmm. we just think of like all these different things and we figure out what's possible. Mm -hmm. and then you kind of convey that vision to everybody who's working on the project, yeah. whether it's like the actors and you listen to like their input and such, or it's, you know, production design, it's mm -hmm. um, the producers or whatever, you kind of make it clear what's needed. So typically in filmmaking, um, they would say that 
the film is the director's film. You know, they would say something like, you know, a film like a, a film by Martin Scorsese, a film mm-hmm. by Steven Spielberg, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because that person has the vision of what's going to happen um, or what has happened. So I think it's a good thing when you have a shared vision. When there are big creative differences, then you have an issue. I mean, clearly these two people um, are still doing this together after a long uh, period of time. And, you know, mm-hmm. Shadi and I still work on quite a few projects. So, mm-hmm. I think that vision is is really the thing, and it's all. I know obviously that means communication because you know people aren't really psychic, right? To keep that vision yeah. alive and to keep it centered, you have to constantly exchange ideas on what's actually happening. I guess it's all about you know having a shared vision and you know not having huge egos. And yeah. I mean, you can see the results in this episode, can't you? Yeah, exactly. And you, you know what? Speaking of of huge egos. <laughs> I think uh, I'm going to go right to the beginning of the episode and um, stroke mine because if there's anybody on this internet who's trying to protect Kendall's kids, it's me. Yeah, I'm sure everybody <laughs> who listens to this podcast was watching this episode and thinking he's going to come here and talk about Kendall's kids, isn't he? Yes, mm-hmm. he is. Here I am. What did you expect? <laughs> Let him cook. <laughs> Kendall is exactly like his dad in this situation. He's like, I'm going to do everything I can to protect her, whatever it takes. <laughs> what kind of parent do you think I am? I'm breaking my back. I'm changing the world. The work I'm doing is affecting six continents, and it's all for them, all for your kids. Do all right, know, Tywin Lannister. He actually sounds like, remember that um, episode, I can't remember if it was season one or season two, where they went for that retreat? Yeah. And they were all sad. Everything to, I've done, I've yes. done for my children. <laughs> and I was kind of like, you sound like, you sound exactly like exactly him. like your dad. You think you're different from him, but you exactly. actually sound exactly. I think I think that is the one thing Kendall is like has really nailed Logan down to, and he doesn't even know it. It's just the parenting style of thinking, mm-hmm. deluding yourself into believing everything you're doing is for your children, and then you don't spend a single moment with them. Neglecting you're not interacting with them. It's I mean, Rava has had to raise these kids basically crazy. on her own. Um, people are, had to raise get, Kendall as well, didn't she? Like, yeah, she on some level, yeah. Because pe- people get problems, mad at, yeah. at, at Rava mm-hmm. sometimes when she shows up in episodes because she, you know, they say she's petty, she's vindictive. On some level, she is. I mean, Rava is not a perfect person. And, you know, she does throw his addiction at him sometimes, which is not great. <laughs> not but great. When you look at it from her, yeah, when you look at it from her perspective, it's like... She's probably had a lot... She's had to manage him. Had a lot to deal with. Manage yeah. the effects of that addiction on the kids you know she said before like in in the early episode that she once had to wipe off cocaine from one of their kids ipads right yeah and, which means like how does that even happen it's either the cocaine is flying around or he was using the ipad to snort definitely cocaine, using it on the right? ipad yeah. exactly so th- th- that's like a whole host of things that she's had to deal with as a parent and he's saying you know what kind of parent do you think i am and if you watch that episode uh, that, that part of the episode again you see she turns around when he says that and she's just like Okay, you can see the just to hear the disbelief. She's even chuckling. She's like, "Hi, yeah. bro, enjoy I mean, your there day." Was a point, there was a point where he was asking her, um, "I need all the pieces of information." So, <laughs> so like, where were you? So I can. What do you mean? Where was I? And I was like, "What the hell do you think? This is not like some um, board meeting. Like, this is your. These are your kids. <laughs> Ask all the pieces of information." She's, she's like, "Dude, decision. just call like, your daughter." Yeah, get up here, Roman. And get up here, Kendall. Sorry, it's it's crazy because. Because, like, the people who are doing this, ironically, might even be people who watch them. <laughs> They're saying that it's like, you know, it's, it's oh, um, people who are, who are very, like, fired up. They might have been racially motivated. And it's like, man, I don't know anymore. I read, literally, I, there was, like, this big um, 
Fox News versus Dominion voting law, uh, uh, lawsuit that just got resolved. I think they had to pay like a billion dollars or something. So I've just gone close to it. Yeah. Properly rabbit hole into the Murdoch family, man. And I am pretty sure they watched Succession. Did you hear about like when the, when Rupert, um, divorced Jerry Hall because she used to watch Mm -hmm. Succession? She had to, apparently she had to go into like a different room in the house to watch Succession. Hmm. Um, and apparently when they got divorced, it was part of the divorce um, papers that she was not to contribute at all to the succession um, script. Can you believe that? <laughs> what kind of Can paranoia you is that? Believe that. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. That is actually insane. Especially since it's not just him. It's not just like because there's a lot of Sumner Redstone as well in yeah in in, in Logan, right? Mm-hmm. A big part of it, that guy, feels his kid was violently against his daughter taking over yeah. from him. She had to sue him, didn't she? She lost. At the beginning, but in the end, she managed to make sure she was the one who took over. She's the one who actually runs um, Viacom Oh, she CBS running it now. now. I thought she got yeah. offered a non-exec and she declined. She did, but at the, at, like, she ended up running it right at the beginning, um, mm-hmm. I believe. And, you know, right till the, till the very end, he was trying to say that he was willing to do it. Like, this man is literally on life support saying, yeah, you know, I'm fine. Just the general delusion of I can handle anything, kind of like Logan. He mm-hmm. was always trying to be seen with, you know, 20-year-old girls. <laughs> um, trying he basically trying to seem you know strong, virile, whatever the case may be, and you know those women that he was hanging around with almost tore the company apart, like destroyed it. He had like maybe four carries, like three or four <laughs> carries, wow, that really would have destroyed the business. I, I think they might have made up together after he died, made off with a little over one hundred fifty million dollars, um, of real money. <laughs> I don't even know how they managed to secure that. They would have torn the business apart. That's mental. His daughter was able to to step up along with some other executives and and see things through. But yeah, don't worry, Rupert. It's it's not just <laughs> you that they're coming for. <laughs> well, Rupert's mom, I think she lived up to one hundred and three. So. And I think he's only like 92 now or something. Yeah, so. he's a little bit over 90. Yeah, Kendall, man, what? What? But he's still, I mean, his dynamic sort of changed in this episode where, mm-hmm. I mean, terrible, terrible dad, then he's trying to scheme politics to bring Nate in for uh, regulation and to competitions to, because yeah. obviously his um, end goal is to tank the um, Gojo deal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he wants, because he wants to stay in power. So he's doing everything he can you know, inflating the price, um, the share price because of like the living plus, um, success, which went well, then it's trying to bring in government regulation now to basically what he wants is he wants the government to say that this deal is anti-competitive because it's, you know, it's against our, not him really trying to seek out antitrust. (laughs) No, it's, it's anti-competitive and it's going to be a monopoly here and it's trying to convince Nate, um, about this so you can block the deal so what do you think about all of that yeah i was, I was even going to ask you like you know this idea of nate being able to actually help them with creating the general presence of regulation right mm-hmm. um obviously nate works with gill and um gill is a senator on the committee that handles general you know media affairs and such tech um, as well he i'm would, thinking and tech so he tech, would yeah. be yeah, so he would be in charge of, you know, that kind of regulation. Mm-hmm. So having Nate around basically kind of makes it feel like, you know, they, they are they're open to that regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, it sends a message that, you know, they have nothing to hide and they want regulators to come in and look at the deal, which is why Shiv then calls Matson because if Matson is around, then he can kind of, you know, 
be on his best behavior, put forward like a good act for the quote unquote regulatory personalities. However, Nate's his appetite for this kind of stuff is uh, I I think maybe he's he's reached a point where like he's the one person in this show that's reached a point where it's like, look, I'm tired of you guys. I mean, it's just funny because when he arrives at this party, right, Tom walks right up to him and hands him a glass of wine. Yeah. Which is beautiful because the last time Tom encountered Nate, he made him pour his wine back into the bottle <laughs> right? yeah, at, this at was, the wedding. Yeah, this was the wedding season one, episode nine. Episode nine, yes. Yeah. And, you know, he's, I mean, and of course, um, that, that wine. That, that everybody's drinking today is is great depending on who you ask i mean it's either <laughs> well, light and fruity or it's like wet dog you shouldn't tell anyone it's german wine apparently <laughs> I'm just yeah you, you you should not so to speak um german yeah, wine is that a thing i don't even know for, for what? Uh, tom <laughs> anymore like it's just <laughs> I, I i just don't get it i mean the I'm fact not, that they're even i'm having not, this I'm not party, wine connoisseur but i've never heard of german wine <laughs> light and fruity well he just kept like tom just can't help himself like whenever that wine is involved it's like just keep tom away from wine because he had his own um was that from his um vineyard i would assume this from is from there yeah which is why he's like talking about it it's just like it was just like his parents in in that wedding episode you know they just they the the one thing they were really able to contribute to the wedding was the wine and they just wouldn't stop telling people that (laughs) everybody ended up knowing no, it came from Tom and his family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the fact that they're having the party here, you know, in their house. Uh, first of all, that that residence, I really like. Um, there's something about Tom and Shiv's residence that feels very hotel lobby to me. Mm-hmm. It's very short, like, it looks like you're in this central place that leads to a bunch of other places. Because, like, they have, like, a, a side that looks like a loft. They have, like, different places where people are entering. So, you're not even mm-hmm. really sure where the front door is mm-hmm. um there's just so much going on in that regard um so where just that, in terms of placement will that be manhattan then i'm guessing like health kitchen and something around somewhere around that area maybe there or upper east side yeah upper east side, just yeah. like general upper east side um because well it, it seems like a new place to me they have like interesting art in the, in, in the building logan's place is like it feels a bit more I guess closer to vintage, like the way mm-hmm. it's designed, um, the general elements, there's, there's a lot more woody stuff in there, whereas Thomas Ship's place has lots of, um, you know, ceramic and glass and, and metal elements. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's pretty cool. More They're like able to have this sort of huge thing. space. Yeah. yeah. You refer more. And it's like, you, you know, you, you think having all the, all these people, some of the most powerful people in the country, you know, in your house, <laughs> you know, you're like, this is such an intimate space. But then, you know, these people are raised with the idea of, you know, you have to be able to host, you, you yeah. buy these places with these big living rooms, partly because, you know, of, of things like this. If Logan was still alive, they'd probably be, have been doing it at his place, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think the way this place was, it felt a little bit, it felt slightly tighter on some level. So I think that, you know, that Might contribute to like the, like yeah. the, Exactly. It, it added to sort of nature, just how yeah. weird things were, especially for people like Eva, who I really feel for. And um Gosh. Com- <laughs> oh, all the just encounters with her and Matt. Matt is a weird guy, but like when it's just her and so is it Eva or Eba? It's Eba, I believe. So Yeah, I I, I literally will be think uh, sometimes I'm thinking, wow, people some people are watching this thinking like yo, is her name actually Gary? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's just crazy. all that they just the encounter just make me really uneasy i'm not gonna lie because i'm just like what is going to come out of this guy's mouth now and i know it's going to because you know you always have that one colleague who's kind of like too I don't much 
yeah it's like just yeah too much for no reason just, too much just want, yeah yeah i like you but i don't like you like that and it just makes me feel a bit strange sometimes and that's how yeah, i'm because he's relentless he's just he's relentless weird, man he just what doesn't do stop himself, like a jerk off a, a jerk off weird coder or something like because like yeah that's who i am that's who i am i mean uh. Ken, kendall i mean you're talking about hosting parties kendall does that the one thing that he's really good at is just giving speeches and commanding the room right and when he was sort of mm-hmm. I'm doing the intro to the party and he was like, uh, you know, you sort of touched about all the powerful people in the country. So he spoke, you know, the crypto fascists, the venture capitalists, mm-hmm. then also the podcast hosts the as well. So podcast, I was like, where? <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> like, where's our invite, man? <laughs> I would actually even wonder if like, cause he calls out this person who's like, you know, the podcaster person, right? The podcast yeah. person. I wonder if that's like their version of like some, someone like Kara Swisher or something like that, who Kara actually Swisher. is doing the official. Um, succession podcast right now so i mean we didn't really talk about why they're all in this spot it is the election eve isn't it before the polls open yeah tailgate party which is a big part of you know american culture um mm-hmm. whenever big things happen whether it's football or the election people typically will stay um stay up the day before um and just you know meet to enjoy things they have there you can see these people they even have their own um traditions there kendall said as as, as usual whoever guesses closest to the actual numbers will mm-hmm. get kettle corn meal to them wherever they are mm-hmm. um clearly they have like a whole lot of stuff going on with this that they've been doing mm-hmm. and it makes sense that everybody who shows up shows up because like you know you want to be here you want to have your opinion heard and you know hear what's what's going on especially mm-hmm. now that the deal is happening you know which is why you know tom's yeah, Tom's what well, exactly happening is happening with the great assault. Um, we'll get to- <laughs> Yeah. So Tom is Tom is out here trying to keep his, his ear to the ground. Oof, you know, yeah. not just about the deal, but oh, about himself shit. because he's been in a precarious situation all season. Well, at least mm-hmm. since episode three, right? So So what's I, the- I, I think now he's trying to figure things out. What's the election vibe? Is it Menken is close is it sort of fifty fifth of the Dems and Menken is close to winning, but he needs I Connor, think Mencken is not to, that close. Mencken's poll numbers are down at the moment, which is something mm-hmm. that they were they were seeing in the episode. Yeah. And one thing that would boost it is, you know, <laughs> it's crazy how like at least a million, four million people-ish <laughs> are actually like genuinely trying to make Connor Roy president. So <laughs> Mencken's team is essentially saying, look, Connor has no chance. He has 4% spread out in basically four different states. Let him drop out. And those people, because it's the same party, like Connor's also read, those people will probably go to Mencken. And that will strengthen Mencken's claim. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, asking Connor to drop out of the race is very cold. I, I mean, it's so hilarious because Roma's <laughs> Rome, first reason is like, for the good of the Republic and everybody, like, me, you... <laughs> Robert Carter, like we're all just dying because what does that even mean? These people caring some, about the Republic. I mean, oh Succession, there were just some really funny um, quips here and there. I mean, we'll get to Matson. So those bats. We'll get to Matson <laughs> and, and India later, but. <laughs> My goodness. But, um, I mean. It was, it was so funny how like Connor was, um, the whole negotiation with Connor about like, so what do you think about Mogadishu? What do you think about a man? And he was like, what do you say? Is a rich man's Yemen or poor man's Saudi? And I was like, this that, is... That killed me. This like, is yeah. amazing writing, man. Like, this is... <laughs> like, not to get into the entire Middle East politics, right? But this is insane writing on here. Oh, my God. No, like, and the fact that Maxim is still around. 
Mm-hmm. Like the fact that Maxim is, is, is still there, like, actually advising him because he promised him the State Department if he wins. Yeah. <laughs> so and well, like, they've actually they've actually become friends, and you know he has his little family unit because Willa is there too, and she's supporting Support. him. But now he's trying to convince her, hey, should we go to Oman? Like, um, as somebody who's lived in the Middle East myself. I, I just found the whole conversation so funny. Like, I was like, what country are they going to say next? Because, I mean, him saying, yeah, you know, this Muscat. Are we, and then she's like, are we going to live above ground? She's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then they start talking about the UN. That, that, that made me laugh even more because, no offense, right, to anybody who has ever held the job of President of the United States. But I personally think the UN requires slightly more work <laughs> and slightly more brain power because... Like Connor, Connor becoming president is more plausible to me. Like, do you think so? Not in terms of the actual numbers and what's likely. I mean, in terms of feeling that role. Okay. Just yeah, just literally because the president is. I mean, obviously the president has to be a very smart person, but the president of the U.S. doesn't control as much as people think. Um, there is executive power, sure, but mm-hmm. you can't just make things happen. It's not an autocracy, and. It's it's not it's not close to like a constitutional monarchy. It's even as far as presidencies go, it doesn't have that much say over things. Like if you come, but I guess that just his job is how, literally preparing preparing for speeches yeah. and giving speeches, isn't it? Like yeah, and you know you you make sure laws get passed. You try to to ensure that they do, but you don't always have that kind of power um, mm. as opposed to other styles of government. Whereas the UN, the, the United States ambassador to the UN is an extremely important job because you know <laughs> those people are trying to do a lot of stuff that actually keeps the world from imploding yeah (laughs) so can you imagine connor actually annoying the people of the un and then being the first ambassador um to of the united states to to the un that prevents that doesn't that doesn't do his part to prevent world war three from happening fishing off europe fishing off asia fishing off africa of course oh my god i really i really cried at paul when i was like south korea is like what about north korea and he was like, whoa, slow there, slow down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, Maxim was like, oh, my liege, please. <laughs> slow down, and it's like, we don't want to send anywhere with nukes. And it's like, I won't go to anywhere that doesn't have nukes there, and it's, It was oh, just amazing, amazing, such amazing. A ge- just gems, gems everywhere. You know, Kendall was saying that, you know, we watch history, then we make history, and then we become history, mm-hmm. you know. and Good speech. Yeah, Kendall is, is, uh, is good with speeches like that. And, yeah. you know, obviously, Martin crashes that. Um, how did you feel when Matson walked in? I was like, of course, this is when it's going to just, you know, step in and properly get this party started, isn't it? Like, properly, because everything yeah. was going too smooth. And you sort of like, we need a little chink in the armor, don't we? And Matson just sort of walked exactly. in. Um, and I don't know, he always had his shoulders hunched. Like I was I was saying the same thing. This man is always, always, always hunched. And I, I don't think Skarsgård actually really walks like that. I think mm-hmm. this is a thing he's doing for the Matson role. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, he's supposed to be a good I think that is either part of what he's doing to create the, the guy's presence, or it's just an effect, like a, an, on a practical level, of everyone is shorter than him, so he's just always looking down at people. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's like, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, isn't he? He's freaking giant. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty tall. And he's such an underrated comedic actor. Like, yeah, he, he was insane in this episode, man. But you can sort of see, he like, says so him much crazy stuff blending in this, in this the insane with... Like there was a time when he was talking to Nate, the way he was working Nate about how the rest of um, the Roy family are just jokes, and are you really going to hand, are you really going to allow ATM to be run by these clowns? Except you know, 
instead of me where I've actually got experience with writing the content and everything like these mm-hmm. people. And you can see that the more he talks, the more Nate's kind of like, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's like, you know, the more I think about it, it's like, how can these people actually run the content? They've actually never had any experience whatsoever like this mm-hmm. before. So, you know, that's definitely, would you say that's obviously what convinces Nate to dip, to leave? Or do you feel like he was already kind of, um, he was kind of one foot out, then Matt's and just conversation just sort of pushed him out of the door completely with that conversation? I think he just realized that this is a situation that can implode on its own. And he just <laughs> didn't want to be overly involved and looking too cozy with either side because mm. it just doesn't help him too much. Because then there's just so many questions to answer. If something weird happens at this party, then, you know, what's he going to say? It's like, okay, Nate Zafrelli was around. It's it's a lot. I mean, obviously, he has a long-standing relationship with with Kendall, um, which is probably how he got into, you know, his long-standing relationship with Siv. Mm. But now he's at a point where he just has to to think practically, right? And, you know, the, at one point he says to, to Kendall, you know, you're not Logan, I'm not Gil. And that's a good thing. You know, mm. we don't have to do what these people would be doing. We don't have to be creating these kinds of, you know, these backdoor deals or whatever. Like, let's just live freely, like let's break free. Relax, yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I, I think that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, kind of asked your point where I think it was the last conversation with Kendall where he was like, I'm not authorized to have this conversation or something along those lines. And, <laughs> and you're like, are you fucking serious right now? <laughs> I might just wanted to get some free food and leave. Which is, I mean, sometimes you just want to get to a free party, you know? Yeah. Say a couple of highs, get a couple of drinks, get some free food and dip. You don't want to, you might not have enough social battery for that day. You know, you just want to walk in and walk out, have your free dinner and dip. So go understand Nate's there, don't you? Yeah, but you know the 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 Warriors do have a bit of a strategy, right? Um, you know, at one point Kendall says they're talking about all the people in the room, right? And mm-hmm. you know, first of all, as people were arriving, I just saw. I was just thinking, look, wow, look at all these celebrities in black. How original! <laughs> like everybody's just showing up to this fancy apartment building, Pops. and they're being taken up, and you know they're 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 wearing what they're wearing like it's like a who's who type of thing one of those situations mm-hmm. and you know kendall does say that you know dad's ideological range was was wide um and yeah. at first Lip-tops. kendall is like get asking connor to drop out is just callous you know but then he, roman's like well you know it'll be good to have menken on our side in case things actually do go well for him and then they just immediately drop connor it's like okay like you know you go talk to the lip tires uh, i'll talk to the lip tires you talk to nazis which is just like <laughs> wild 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 things to say and because because so many people are just hitting the chopping block that's another thing that i felt was a big yeah. theme of the episode just like termination right? You have the idea of who's going to be terminated, who's going to still be around after the merger slash acquisition. Um, we have Tom especially worried about that. We have Greg being apparently the resident firer. I was going to like, say, I think, I think what Greg... is going on? He said, oh, thank you, sir. And then he just gets on a Zoom call with like a hundred people um, or like just multiple people. He said he's done it multiple times in the same week. He said like a hundred people fired in three days. I think Greg literally came out the best in this episode, which is I mean, terrible to list. <laughs> even because, though they were calling him Gary. Because, <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, it was pretty shitty, actually, when you see the way he just 
reading from the script and mm-hmm. laying off mass, you know, how many people. And they said the that he, he looks like he cares even though he doesn't. And that's even why he he's <laughs> so good. Sort of like off, off camera, you see Tom doing all the, like the face, <laughs> crying face and mocking the people who are about to leave. And kind of like these people are just playing with normal people's lives, man. Like it's like it's a game. It's it's so crazy. I mean, because Greg is like, he's going to be with Kendall and, um, and Roman because mm-hmm. you know, things aren't really looking good for Tom at the moment, but he's still kind of with tom But he has been tom kind of has... detaching himself from Tom lately, though. Like, over the mm-hmm. past few episodes, he's been slowly... But tom has no like, one else to confide, that's the thing. So he's... Mm. Tom would always look to Greg to, you know, just let everything out, I guess. Then, in the party, he meets the Swedes, and they take it liking to him because he's a fucking psychopath like them <laughs> they realize oh this guy might actually be the fun one in the family right and th- that that's hilarious to me because you know um oscar uh, Madison's number two is that very off kilter played very, by you know i don't like that guy man. <laughs> johannes hawker of johannesson who um i mentioned before um i didn't his name slipped my mind at that time but but yeah he he plays olaf in vikings valhalla it was very great very good show um a good mm-hmm sequel show to um the original vikings um series that was produced by the history channel um this vikings Valhalla is set about 100 years after you know the death of one of the well the central characters of the show uh, i'm gonna keep that under wraps in case somebody wants to go watch vikings because that is actually still a worthwhile Spoiled show for them don't worry <laughs> <laughs> um but but yeah like he as matson said um oscar is on well, he's on edibles, right? And he's just running on vibes. Like the, the running on vibes running energy from the previous episode has been brought here. And you can see how he is just like loopy. Matsin is mischievous and Ebba is like, I just, I, just want to, I just want to leave. Just want to get out. <laughs> I'm tired. All the things that she said, I wondered what would actually, you know, come out. Because, you know, Matsin has been having conversations with Shiv and the blood thing, there's there's no way nobody knows about that like there's absolutely no way so the fact that they got their quote-unquote deputy ratfucker right first i mean all hail ratfucker sam who apparently has deputies now and these guys are clearly skilled because of course they found out about ebba i mean at first i thought them finding out about that blood stuff would kind of make shiv look untrustworthy to matson Mm-hmm. Right, because he would then be like, "Wow, so she really went and and told him about this, but that's not what happens, right? Do you feel there's more to that coming looking forward maybe i don't it, I think it depends on you know what episode is going to be because in the end, I feel like she still ends up being a little bit loyal. I don't know if it's out if it's out of like allegiance to him or just because she wants to make sure she's doing her job properly because well, they, they they're kind of like a pair right even when um so when, when after and, and like, I guess we'll get into more detail on this, but, you know, Roman has a conversation with Jerry that really puts him in his place <laughs> and sends him into, you know, the vault house that he was in the previous episode um, again. And then he goes to tell Connor, like, you know, what are you doing? And he says a lot it, of mean things. Everyone thinks you're yeah. a joke. Yeah. It's at that time. Yeah. At that time, like, if you look, Martin and Ebba are just there in the background, like, house cats like yeah. he's on the window she's on the she's on the couch and just sitting on the settee and you know i knew it would lead to, to slide comments but they're just there like watching and and waiting and like just Hanging enjoying around, the situation like they're chill yeah yeah I, I, I thought that was that was really something so maybe they they really are kind of like a pair because she clearly hates 
this guy. And I don't know why he keeps messing with her the way he is. Like, I don't know why he can't just help himself. He's a neat Meanwhile, man. Greg is hilarious. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, I think it's always just fun to him. Um, I mean, should we get to kind of like what we eventually find out about? He did mention she was still loyal to him, but that India... I thought, yeah, I thought it was cool that Kendall was able to get that out of her. Like, Roman was yeah. asking some ridiculous direct questions. <laughs> and Kendall's like, you know what? Let's pull up a smoke yeah, and just, like, chill for a little bit. And then he's able to get the information chat. out. That's yeah. the best way to, you know, start a conversation with anybody. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, have you got a lighter? And that's... <laughs> just relax. Bang. You know, you'll hear about their life story and everything. Right? But, so we sort of find out that Gojo's numbers are wildly overstated and... The numbers, two Indias. Two Indias. And he was, <laughs> I mean, so if, when the brothers tell she about it, she's kind of like, what the fuck? Like, then she bring, you know, she literally drags Matt out of the room, have a separate conversation about like, your numbers are over here. It's like, oh yeah. It's like if we had two Indias, but there's only one India. <laughs> that is insane. He's, I watched and he's like, like build, build a new <laughs> India. What is going on? Because with, with those kinds of inflated numbers, this, it's like it's like the it's like the company's being bought by air, and I think that's where Shiv first like she finally comes to the realization like yo, what am I doing? Like I'm not really about to. I, I know that like I I'm not particularly okay with all the stuff my family is doing or has done, but am I really about to sell out our legacy to somebody who has nothing? Like there's no problem. I mean, of course she asked for a very high position. She used three varies. We know that she's very serious. Three <laughs> very, 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 very it's serious. Like using, it's like texting somebody and using like four. It's like texting somebody, hey, and using like five whys. And it's like, okay. Essentially, right. So, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that even in that moment, she asks him about a, that significant role and he needs a moment to think about it. That was a massive red flag to me. That's, was he not planning to give her a big role before? Like, why is why is that not just immediate? Like, an immediate, of, of course. Which like, is what was why his plan was with bit, her? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to flip. I was like, what is your plan? I guess your plan with him was to sort of get the over the line so you could come see her. But like, if you're having this conversation now, if you didn't have this conversation before, what was the point of helping him? You know, you didn't have assurances. These? With these leaks, like, where are your guarantees? <laughs> like, what the hell? So, what are you doing this for? And it's just, you just sort of witness the whole how just naive Shiv is, especially into this entire game. <laughs> and how it's just, you know, she's, and you can see that she, she kind of realizes she's being played by Matson right now. I mean, his numbers must be insane, though. Like, because I think, because India is obviously quite like a techie place. And yeah, know, sure it's, that it's, it's a have, low budget market. And there are a lot of markets in it. Yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people. And I mean, I mean, gosh, that's still can't believe that, man. And I mean, if their numbers are that bad and that Kennel is actually considering buying Gojo, I wonder how the markets react. I wonder how everyone reacts. That one, that's just his. Okay. I'll save that one for later because I now have to. Look, let's talk right now. No, we, we can. But the thing is, I, I want to stay on Matson for a little bit, okay, Eber, okay. because because it's not just the numbers that she reveals. She talks about how he's not a real coder, that they built his whole reputation. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. Right? And that's why oh. she's planning on being out in February. So basically, once the deal goes through, she's like, I want nothing to do with this anymore. See who's going to steer your ridiculous sinking ship, you know? And I, I wonder, like, there was a part of me that was, that, that was like, what if she was sent to plant seeds of misinformation? Like, what okay. if she's actually still aligned with Matson? But okay. these grievances, and, th- and her grievances are real, but she's still kind of working for the greater good of their side. I don't know. I, I feel oh, like it's, it might not end up being her, that deep. 
because she might get a good payout because she, exactly. she said that she's she's going to wait till February because that's kind of when her mm-hmm. golden options would all be realized or something, right? Essentially, so and you yeah. know, at this at this rate, you know, the the Gojo organization might be expanding because even if Eba leaves. I just get this strange feeling that Greg might become Matson's new head of HR because he's so good at firing people. <laughs> but, but yeah, like Kendall, Kendall finding out this information and then saying he wants to pull a quote unquote reverse Viking. Now, could Waystar actually acquire Gojo? Right. This is this is kind of like how do I how do I put this? This is this is like a dog, like a good, well bred dog, right, with flaws. Mm-hmm. That barks at people, maybe does you know you know those kinds of dogs that that bark at people of color. You know them, right? Um, <laughs> those dogs <laughs> trying to trying to kind of consume a wolf. Okay. Tactically, if you had enough finesse, maybe maybe you could outsmart this wolf. But it's not that likely. Like they're just they're not big enough. They're not liquid enough. Their assets are um, losing value because. You know, even the because as I've said before, the share price that Matson is offering for this acquisition is way, 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 way inflated, right? Mm-hmm. So, is that really something that they can do? Like, if the maybe it's possible, maybe it's possible if their numbers are actually as bad as we're hearing now, mm-hmm. because that would not only mean that their value has dropped um, significantly, but it would also mean that if they leak that news. The, the the share price of Gojo will go down, like the stock will probably plummet, which mm-hmm. would get it to a place where it can actually be bought. But then, it, it, I don't know, it, it could still be like an overvaluation thing, right? Yes. Where, like, for example, last year, we all know about how Elon um, Elon Musk was trying to, and did succeed in, in getting Twitter, right? Well, he pulled out, then he got sued. Then, and yeah, he and then he got sued, and then he had to do it. Um, yeah. And I'm very glad that happened, by the way, because if he was allowed to remove to, to like remove himself from that deal, then I fear for any other deal in the future. That just means that there are no guardrails anywhere. So, <laughs> but anyway, that's another situation. But my, the reason I bring that it's up is podcast. he paid he yeah he paid you know um fifty four twenty per share about forty four billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Twitter itself at that time was probably worth twenty twenty two yeah right. So he he overpaid and which that's one of the reasons he was trying to leave because he realized it was it it was overvalued. Like what the fuck am I, I doing? Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, right? I wonder if them going for this Gojo thing is is kind of like they're trying to do that same thing, but to their advantage. Whereas okay. that undervaluation is something that they can root out and show to the public and be like, okay, actually, you know, we can get them. But, yeah. but but my issue is, even if that works, even if that actually works, can they handle Gojo's assets? Do they have the people? Do they have the expertise? It's not their forte. Like, I feel like they might even run Gojo into the ground. Like, do, do they know how to run something like Gojo? This would literally well, be like if if something like CNN decided to acquire Facebook, which is an impossibility, right? <laughs> it's right? It's like an impossibility. So I, I I don't know. Like, assuming we... Yeah, assuming we said this was possible, could they yeah. actually even make it work? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not sure that that could actually happen. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it depends but, on how. I mean, a whole lot. There's just a whole lot of caveats in there. It depends on how over inflated these uh, sub subs numbers are. If I mean, if half of their subs are just air, then I think we might mm-hmm. be having a completely different conversation <laughs> because exactly because India is be, a, what, it won't be one of their major markets. So if the numbers be, are inflated there, then what really do they actually serious. have? It must be really serious if Shiv is pulling Matson aside and saying, this is some serious shit. No, but she, she really looked spooked. She looked really spooked. But if you look 
you know, to Waystar and uh, Kendall inflating or, you know, the figures for the Living Plus projections and how right. all of that is still going on. It's sort of like, this is all Double bullshit. Theories. It's bullshit mm. fighting against. I mean, there was that scene between Kendall and Mattson about how I know your shit, you know I'm shit, so what the hell are we doing right now? Like, both of our numbers are pretty much nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of like just staring match on, you know, this acquisition that he wants to buy it, but I'm not have you got the have you actually got the funds to buy it? But mm-hmm. yeah, it was quite 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 interesting. Very, very interesting. Um I feel like the last bit whew, the last bit. Actually, before the last bit, let's talk about let's talk about Roman actually because he had. This I was going to say Roman because right now we're getting into that part where we focus on some of those core relationships, right? And I know we want to go into Tom and shit, but That'd I agree last... we should talk about Roman and Jerry first. That'd be the, yeah, I mean, because it's all real because um, he invites us to party. I think Frank tells us she's not him actually thinking that Frank was going to smooth things over. Frank tells him straight up, "Is like, yeah, she's pissed. Like, what?" What did you yeah, expect? What the hell to do you expect? You just kind of you just fired her for fun, because you know for fun after after Logan was already trying to fire her, and his main oh. reason supposedly was because she was getting close to Matson, which might not be a bad thing for them. Like her understanding what those because nobody on their side really seems to understand what's going on at Gojo. Jerry no. did. Why was that a bad thing? Yeah, I I really don't know. I think they just handled this Jerry thing really badly. <laughs> yeah, I think Jerry should honestly really just, just stay out. I like that she's taking it seriously. To be honest, mm-hmm. good for good for her. You know, there's no yeah. need to come back into this into this dumpster fire. She should <laughs> just stay out, get her payout. She has, you know, you know, a list of requirements, and she's made those clear. And I'm glad that she's communicating them. You know, he's, it's good for for Roman yeah. to see like this is not a joke. Like you, this is how you want to be. Well, this is what that means. Yeah, and Roman thinks it's like, oh, just come back, you know, let's just all hug it out and everything. And it's like, nope, no, no, I'm actually out and I'm actually being serious. And I feel like, because I have in my notes here, like the only two people who actually, you know, get Roman to act out are his dad, who isn't here anymore, and Jerry. And they mm-hmm. see immediately he acts out on Connor, who tells him to drop the shit. He becomes a lot more aggressive because before he was quite, um, kind you know, of quite nurturing and, and quite amenable, nurturing, negotiating. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's, she showed his true colors there. And it's just this, this volatility, like he's not in a good place. Like he, he's starting to actually, exp- at first he was just exploding on, you know, regular people. And now he's doing it towards his own family. The funeral still has to happen. You know, mm-hmm. Lord knows what's going to go on there. <laughs> you know, uh, Jerry has personal reputation management now, which makes sense. That shows you that she's serious about what's going on. And, you know, he's starting to see that these actions, you know, have consequences. And if he's going to keep acting out towards people, he should see you know, what that could look like for him. And, you know, it makes sense that the, sh- that the show is going out of its way to to kind of give give that to us. Because everything is is like, you know, I called this episode at the beginning um, when we started this conversation, a powder keg. It's, it's the case in so many ways. Like you have these relationships brewing. You have, you know, the deal that's like bubbling. You have Mattson's numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. he has the gall to say, oh, maybe a little bit bullshit. Like he, he, this dude is just like, a problem and even then you have in the actual world of the show the information that they're getting out you know atn released something saying that the dems going up in the polls is a radical misinformation plot what on earth i mean th- that's 
go full on offensive now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, like it's 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 just wild, honestly. It's I, I feel news, I, isn't it? <laughs> I, I feel like um that whole thing is crazy and mm-hmm. it's reminiscent of what would happen in the real world. So yeah, it's crazy that Roman is being so mean because I, I mean, first of all, he, he he disrespects Willa. He calls her wife in air quotes, mm-hmm. which is just bro. Come on, you were you were at their wedding. Tell them <laughs> how you really with, feel, Roman. Yeah, with the, with the vitriol. <laughs> like I mean, Willa su- sincerely supporting him. You know, one could say she's actually still in his camp. Somebody who's skeptical might say, you know, maybe she's just like egging him on to see him fail maybe she has a way of benefiting from that but i i do think she's she, she she's com- committed to his camp so mm-hmm, we'll see yeah. i think it's a good thing that kendall showed up in that moment when he did as as roman was disrespecting connor mm-hmm. um though i don't know i mean for, for all the good it did right uh, he's he tells Matson, you know why don't you tweet about it after he finishes that whole outburst and that's that's just i don't know like, that, that that conflict didn't need to to happen in that way so i don't know why roman is doing what he's doing it's it's a problem but then that leads into of course the matson versus kendall <laughs> conversation which yeah. just had a lot of bangers like so much going on in that conversation and they were doing it in front of people like it was just the bright amount of so main event show yeah for the evening and it was loved it i'm quite <laughs> I'm really, really interested now because I really don't have a clue on whether this deal goes through or not because both numbers are fudgy and it's... Deals tend to die at least three times before anything actually goes through. And usually what goes through is not is not what anyone had in mind at the beginning. The, at the beginning, yeah. So it's... Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. I guess we'll see what happens. But yeah. Should we Tom get and to... Tom and Shiv, I know you yeah. have thoughts. You really think everything's going well then? You know, the father sexmas, they're banging all the time, brings her dinner. He's bringing her like, you know, these breakfasts at home. There's Sorry, like scorpions encased in. What <laughs> was that about, man? I was kind of <laughs> like... I loved that because it's like, it, it, it actually plays on just the general idea of Tom being bad at gift giving that is well established in the <laughs> show. Right from the first episode where Take he's trying to give... He's trying to give Logan that watch. And he's like, you know, what gift can I get someone that says, you know, um, I I'm like re- you. I want you to like me enough um, to know that I like you, but I need you to love me. It's just, <laughs> and it's like, it was such, can, such a weird so thing. The them playing like, house is hilarious. I mean, whilst they were having that back and forth, right? About, okay, let's just all get it out there. Let's just get it out. Who do you tend to, did he tend to agree more with one person or the other? Or he kind of like, I mean, these two are both making fair points, you know? And it's like they're well, actually I kind both... of always supported Tom in this situation, mm-hmm. at least in their relationship, because he has tried to make things work. Like, yes, he's a bit of a social climber. Yeah. But he's climbed well and he's not tried to climb without paying his dues. He's mm-hmm. like, Yeah, I know that I'm coming up um using this situation to improve and um, you know, my own my own standing, mm-hmm. but I'm giving my all as well. Like I'm showing you love. I'm showing you commitment, devotion. I will back you. You know, mm-hmm. if you back me, I will back you. Like, let's be a team. He always wanted to be a team. He mm-hmm. wanted them to rise together, but she has never really given that to him. She sees him as, well, something she doesn't really respect. And she only really she respects respect him when he's all. acting kind of callous. Yeah. Which just shows you how messed up she is because her own view of love or her own view of what's attractive is, you know, very toxic. I've heard before um, someone said that, you know, 
every every girl ends up marrying some version of of her father and i think that does make a little bit of sense because you know your father is the the person that you like your first example of what a man should be right that's okay. the example you are most exposed to mm-hmm. so it's different for people who don't have great relationships with their fathers but like those people even end up getting a person that maybe is not like their father in like all the pivotal ways essentially whoever your father is whatever man raises you you know that person informs the decision you make as to who you actually end up with one way or another mm. and you know for shiv seeing some um someone like logan her, her entire childhood just you know treat people as though they're they're fit to be discarded you know it it makes sense that she would find that kind of behavior attractive in tom mm-hmm. you know he's been doing a lot of stuff lately that's just very like out of the way saying things that he normally wouldn't have said and you know the fact that it's essentially turning her on is <laughs> is just like a weird thing um but it but it makes a lot of sense when you really look at at their characters i mean the the playful text they've been sending i mean yeah you know i guess we're happy for both of you but you know at some point you have to talk about what's real and that's what ends up happening here and even though like i said i normally i I normally side with him Mm -hmm. i can't help but feel like he went too far in some places (laughs) here um because now i guess now he, he has some clarity and he's he feels equipped or justified to attack in ways that um, normally he, he he probably wouldn't, or maybe it's, maybe these are things he he's thought the whole time and has just like kept underneath. Like it's 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 hard to say, but I think both of them come off pretty broken at, at the end of this. Yeah, you sort of see the end of the episode where they're kind of just like both lying in the separate beds, and separate bedrooms like in this gigantic place, <laughs> and you can just see the silence in their face. I mean, I mean, yeah, that was a pretty intense scene wasn't it i mean i feel the bit that obviously got to shave the most was when tom told him that you will she not never be a, have kids she's, she's not never fit. a good mother she's not fit to Ooh, have kids. So you see that really and i was know, and he, it's so sad because i was really thinking this would be the episode where she tells him she's pregnant but now that is not gonna happen because of what he's just said i was mm. gonna ask you about that actually so when is she going to tell him like I don't what's, know at this point. What's going on here? I just, I, I, you know, right now I'm glad neither of them pushed the other or the other one off off that balcony. <laughs> I'm honestly, glad they're both still alive. The way that thing was going, um, obviously that that whole thing strikes a nerve. What he said because you know it is very reminiscent. It's in the same vein as what mm-hmm. her mother was saying about how she herself shouldn't have had kids. She should have had dogs, and that Shiv always knew how to twist a knife. Yeah. Trying to make her feel that, you know, she's worse than her. And, you know, somebody else saying that without knowing about that conversation is just the kind of thing that can really break a person. Um, you know, Tom says stuff like, you know, it's not like it's not his fault that she couldn't win Logan's approval. And that is true. Mm-hmm. Like it's not his fault. Like she should she shouldn't take that out on him. But at the same time, like, he didn't have to really weaponize that against her in, in, in that way. I don't know why things got so vitriolic right at that moment. You know, he said well, that, like, she was you know, it doesn't work Tom. because she's broken. She, <laughs> she was, was, I mean, and I don't even know why she's going, she's going around, like, trying to make it seem like, you know, he's getting fired. And this is something he's actually warned her about before. Why are you making me the butt of the joke for an agenda that I'm not even a part of? Like, in all honesty, do they really gain anything from, like, spreading this rumor that Tom might be getting canned? 
It's like in his own insane. house, people are here laughing about laughing at him, whispering about his fate. It's it's just not it's not it's nice. It's not nice. It's not a nice feeling. Like, like come on, like and you're sort of like in the you're sort of in the dark, but like what the hell is going on? And, and she, and she comes and she's like, yeah, you know, it's just like a you know just, joke. Just da, 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 da. And he's like, why are you doing this? Like every single time, so many times he ha- in this series, he's had to ask her, what are you doing? Like what is the point of what you're doing right now? And she calls him a conservative hick, which <laughs> you know is. Not nice, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I guess fine, but I I don't know if that was attacking his whole like you know it's his good old classism for you. Of, um, yeah, you know. like because you know first of all, there's a thing with the wine and you know that kind of sports that maybe that that made her her say that. But obviously, she's just weaponizing the the idea that he's the one that married up, um, which he is. I mean, he doesn't quote unquote know everything about being rich, as Buckley would say, um, yeah. <laughs> with his overly white shoes. But um, he says that he doesn't understand why they got here in the first place. Like he says, you shouldn't even have married me. And you know, that's, that's something that, you know, maybe even viewers have said before, like, it's a fair point. Why did you actually marry him? And obviously we know the reason is because she wanted something safe, something she could control, something steady while she went around being someone participating in the general volatility of her family situation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from his point of view, it's like, did I have, like, I, I knew I was going to be here, but did I have to end up here in this way? Like, how has this really helped me? You know, they're talking about the, 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 all these different aspects of their relationship that have not helped either of them. And they're going back and forth. And the one that actually, the line that probably like hit me the most, not just because of, of how like deep it is, like deep cutting it is, but also because of just the, the general poetry of it, just the nice writing. He says that he's that she's true. Tra- she's too transparent to find in a book, which was wow. I was like, Oof, I, no, I actually had to pause and think about Tom that one for a moment. Man. It was just he was just a very intense scene, wasn't it? It was jeez, jeez. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like they always had. I mean, kind of they had a scene like that. Not like this, but the episode before where they just, where Tom kind of comes clean around and says that, you know, I've never had money in my life and you know, I haven't mm-hmm. got anything to worry about. Yeah, it was last week. That was last week. And you know, I think everything is all going well. Finally, come clean to each other. But like this one was, these are our real, real feelings, aren't they? Like this yeah, is. And it seals his fate, right? Because after that, you know, he comes out and he's like, every, telling everybody to leave his house and he's not joking, but, you know, people are. So what still was standing behind around. his tiredness because he's been tired all episode because well because he, he runs atn right atn is doing quite a lot of stuff right now the elections yeah he was yeah. he's actually busy at work like genuinely he's busy at work and plus everybody else been, is dilly-dallying plus so, he's been busy in the yeah. bedroom as well you know <laughs> yeah there's that too man's not sleeping um but at least he's exercising i guess either yeah. way um burn them calories i guess it's it, it, it really does seal his way because now, like, as he's passing by and they're talking about him, the siblings, they look at each other and they say, fuck Tom, right? So now yeah. he might actually get fired. Like, this is, this is turning like into a self-fulfilling, self-fulfilling prophecy. prophecy, yeah. It's, oh man, that's so peak for Tom, man. Just trying to do I mean, to be fair, like, he's, how do you feel? Has he, do you think he's aligned himself with Matson then? Or? I think he wants to align himself with Matson. And he tried Aligning to himself with Matson would be helpful, but but now now Tom is kind of in the middle because he's not particularly on solid footing with Matson, and now his position with the Roys mm-hmm. is precarious at best. <laughs> so fuck Tom, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, 
Kendall's trying to manage this, this situation. His conversation with Frank, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's reminding me of like old patterns because he gets this, he gets these ideas that he tells Frank because Frank is like a voice of reason, right? He's Godfather as well, isn't he? Yeah, and you know, th- th- there's, th- there's so much that could, that could come from, from that. I, I wonder if there's any real weight to that whole reverse Viking thing. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, he's still trying to manage ma- um, Martin himself. And, and at one point he tells, because that's how Greg gets there in the first place, right? Gets to Martin. He's like, you know, um, point his dick in the direction of some some fissile material, like mm-hmm. find him a blonde, which is just wild, Kendall, wild. But um, <laughs> at the same time, controlling the people that are involved is like the first step to really being in control of the situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the idea that they can control Matson is still laughable at best he's very very erratic isn't he he's very yeah he's very very this thing um okay um that was a really fun episode truly um, i really enjoyed any it. any wait. final thoughts on your part um i don't know i just really enjoyed it i know i've said it multiple times but this it was, was fun. I mean, clearly you so had the time fun. to watch it four times. <laughs> three, three times, three times. Just, just, just three times. Just three times, okay. just three times. Yeah. Um, I'm really... I can't even lie. I'm about I to mean, next, again. <laughs> next week is the... Next week is the election. election Supposedly the election and the funeral together. I'm guessing the, the two things will happen. So I'm guessing Menken would be back for this yeah, episode. So. We've been seeing... Because he, he really shows up in the trailers, right? But we've, we've mm-hmm. not really actually seen him yet. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I feel like it's like George just sort of building him up, building him up, building him up onto mm. um, probably seeing the last couple of episodes, like the shark it drills. So, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, because we'll I mean, Justin, I, I really did think about that again. And I, because every episode, I'm wondering where is Mencken? In this episode, like in the credits, mm-hmm. um, Justin mm-hmm. Kirk is, um, is credited as like, you know, being in the cast, like he's put there as a guest star, and I'm like, hmm, like, was he actually here? Are they just um, guests? Are they, are they just crediting everyone who is involved? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's, was, it's, uh... cool. it's, it's cool, I guess. So, um, thanks to everyone who's listened up to this point. We appreciate you, and we're glad you're on this journey with us. We have just three episodes left of what is one of the best uh, series of clearly the past decade. Um, mm-hmm. Is it three or two? this right now. I think it's three because this was episode um, seven. This was episode seven and I'm pretty sure they're doing 10. I, think so. I thought they were doing nine, my bad. Yeah, they're doing 10. So so yeah, it's 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 going to be quite a ride. We'll see how things go um, as we continue to explore the aftermath of, you know, the death of the juggernaut that is, that is Logan Roy. Uh, stick with us. And while you're sticking with us, Please check out everything else work that we're covering. You know, we are on the full uh, spectrum of <laughs> of um, of TV content right now. We we just started coverage of Love and Death. Um, Bankley and Comfort are having some um, really interesting conversations there. We are also covering Ted Lasso. I've been you know moonlighting, talking with the boys over there about everything going on in AFC Richmond and everything that isn't going on in AFC Richmond. Yeah, good old Richmond. And they play Arsenal as well this season. Yeah, I mean, when they played Arsenal and they were actually at the at the Emirates last week, I thought that was I thought that was very interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and of course we are still covering Yellow Jackets, which is just another powder keg to say the least. And now our film only podcast, hosted by Priscilla and Jess, um, is this cinema has been released. So they're going to be giving you amazing movie takes over the next several weeks 
in addition to our coverage of Barry. So yeah, it's all coming, man. Anything you want, well here, well here. <laughs> it's all here. So keep it locked to the feed and um, join us next time, where we probably won't be joined by Daniel Kalia, but we'll, he'll, we'll, we'll be here with someone just as fun. Trust me. <laughs> See ya. Cheers, guys. Thanks. <laughs>